You're listening to K-Squid, Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. My name is Julian, and I'm an intern at Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit which helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers and start their career journey. We provide career expos, panels, guest speakers, and more. Today, I'm here with my other host, Christine. Hi, everyone. Our show, What to Be, highlights the career journeys of inspirational people in the Santa Cruz County. If you're ever, if you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job? Or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We would also like to remind listeners that the opinions expressed by today's guest do not necessarily reflect this career in its entirety. Today, we're joined by Justin Mandon, who is currently a golf course superintendent. Welcome, Justin. Thank you for having me. Great to be on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so you're a golf course superintendent. Uh, and where exactly do you work? Um, currently, I am the golf course superintendent at Pasa Tiempo Golf Club here in Santa Cruz. Okay, so up in the mountains. Like yeah, that. a little bit. Just uh, just down the road. I only nice. pass through it like now on the 17th. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pasa Tiempo. Oh, it's kind of hidden back there. Yeah. yeah. So how did you become a superintendent? Were you working there before? Did you move up to be this kind of position? You know, my career path, it was sort of um, a little bit of luck and, and, and an, an accident, like I think a lot of us fall into in our mm-hmm. careers. Okay. Um, you know, I was working at a golf course um, around just after high school and mm-hmm. just for a job. I was picking a driving range and washing clubs <laughs> nice. and doing all those fun outside service things. Um, and at the same time, I was attending Cabrillo College and I was enrolled oh, in the horticulture program nice. here in Santa Cruz. So I was interested in plant science. Um, I knew that whatever my career path was going to be, I wanted it to be outdoors. It was really okay. important for me to be outdoors. Um, and I was really studying horticulture, trying to figure out if it was going to be something with landscape architecture mm-hmm. or somewhere down that path, career path. Um, but while working at the golf course, um, I befriended the superintendent there oh, and he sweet. said, you know, you already have kind of this horticulture background, you're into it. So instead of working and picking the driving range this coming summer, why don't you work for me on the greens crew? Oh, and so I did for that summer, and I was completely hooked. I knew that I had found something that, even though I was working at a golf course, I really didn't completely understand. Yeah. Um, and I got extremely excited about it. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I ended up um, applying to Rutgers University in New Jersey. They have one of the mm-hmm. top turf programs in the country. Wow. Um, I ended up going out there and doing their two-year turf program. Um, And then from there, I just worked my way up um, through the San Francisco Bay Area at several different private clubs, um, becoming an assistant golf course superintendent, and then a golf course superintendent at the Olympic Club in San Francisco, um, and then hosted the 2012 U.S. Open there, which is kind of like the Super Bowl of golf for the United States. Wow, that's cool. And then... um, when the opportunity opened up at Pasa Tiempo, it was kind of like a, a coming home for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in San Jose, um, so I grew up close by, and Pasa Tiempo was one of those golf courses that you always kind of wanted to, to go to and be at and play. Because <laughs> really? it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a top 100 club in the country. Oh, wow. I didn't um, know a lot that. of people don't know that in Santa Cruz, but it's really considered one of the greatest wow. designs. Um, designed by Alistair McKenzie in 1929. Um, the same architect that designed Cypress Point, Augusta, where you watch the Masters. Yeah. Um, wow. 
a lot a lot of people think it's one of his greatest designs and it's a real privilege to work there so when the mm-hmm. opportunity presented itself um i applied and was and was lucky enough to to get the position and and i'm really happy to be back in santa cruz mm-hmm. oh that was a lot but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know uh, what exactly is turf studies so oh, what, what, say yeah like what, what, is what did that consist of or what yes. kind of um... it, it, so it's it's the study of agronomy so it's okay. it's plant science based okay. Um, so basically when you go through, um, a turf program like that, it's heavy on, um, funguses, you know, um, pests, um, anything that you're really dealing with trying to grow turf grass at a level that's much more beyond what we normally think of when we're talking Mm -hmm. about home lawns or home lawn care or something like that. Um, we're growing a lot of grass, so we have, you know, typically, 50 to 100 acres of turf grass, and, and the key is we're mowing at it at an extremely low level. Right. So we're mowing our greens at a tenth of an inch, wow. whereas you're mowing your home lawn at two to three inches. Right. Um, there's a whole different program and a whole different set um, of procedures that you have to go through in order to, to maintain grass at that height and keep it healthy and keep it growing um, and right. keep it playable for golf. So wow. that's really what you and you really focus on when you're at turf school. Um, there's a lot of other things you end up having to learn along the way to be a superintendent, but it's a plant science-based um, profession. Wow, I did not even know that. Because yeah. you, you take yeah. it granted for like all that clean grass you see when you go to the golf course. You forget you realize, like people you don't realize how much goes into exactly. Like, there's a lot in right. around like that. Yeah. So. Wow, do not. <laughs> I had one question. So, what was like that like aha moment when you were working um, under the other superintendent? Like, what what was what was that summer job about? And like, why did it want to make you continue to stay in the golf course? Well, I didn't. It's it's the not realizing how much science was behind it, mm-hmm. and being enrolled in a horticulture program mm-hmm. at Cabrillo where they have a fit, one of the best, I think, community college horticulture programs around mm-hmm. um, and being completely immersed in that science-based atmosphere mm-hmm. and then going to a place where I could apply that knowledge immediately right. and have something that was challenging. But also, it's recreation and it's fun and I enjoyed golfing. Right. So oh, now okay. I got to blend <laughs> kind of something that I enjoy doing on the side, something that I'm passionate about, which is plant science, and being outdoors, mm-hmm. and it all kind of came together into one. And I realized immediately being there, I mean, within the first couple of months, I just knew, like, this is something I, mm-hmm. I want to do. This oh. is something that I could be passionate about. And I really right. wasn't sure about that at the time. Right. I mean, I had bounced around. You know, if you were to ask me in high school, what would I be? <laughs> I would say, oh, I was going to be a firefighter. Oh. I was committed to that. I went to fire science school straight out of high school. Mm. Um, attended Mission College in Santa Clara, and I was passionate about trying to do that and and I realized that that wasn't the thing for me and so Mm -hmm. I really wasn't too sure and I was kind of just figuring it out at at Cabrillo when I was doing plant science because it was something else I was passionate about right um that was kind of like that was my aha moment cool right because in high school you're not like oh I'm gonna be a superintendent for (laughs) no very very few people I think say I'm gonna be a golf course superintendent in high school um it's not something that a lot of counselors are um, pushing students right. towards uh, that major. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a common theme, like in our guests, where they just, 
the jobs they have mm-hmm. just come at them. Right. As you just go through life. Just go through life. And I think that's how it should be. I, yeah. You know, to, to take a high school student or a young adult and to make some type of decision about what your career path is going to be at 17, 18, mm-hmm. 19, mm-hmm. 20 years old. I just don't think... Um, it, it turns out being successful. I don't think rarely it turns out being the way you think it's going to be. Right. Yeah. So what kind of challenges have you faced in your job? A lot. Any, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, you know, obviously the beginning of my career was very, especially at the seven years I was in San Francisco at the Olympic club, it was very tournament focused. So mm. we're hosting the United States amateur. We're hosting the United States open. We're doing a, ton of construction so that's like the other aspect of Mm. maintenance where there's the day-to-day getting the golf course ready for play maintenance and then there's the whole construction ass point of golf which is building things Mm. so we completely renovated the golf course rebuilt all the greens moved entire holes around you know years of construction leading up to these tournaments where you're installing all the irrigation you know four six inch ten inch main lines wire controllers moving earth um all those types of things which is is fun and some some golf course superintendents um levitate towards that aspect where they just want to do construction and Mm -hmm. you could just be a construction superintendent where you're traveling around just basically building golf courses Mm -hmm. um working for construction companies that's another avenue that sometimes superintendents go towards um but that was sort of the beginning of of what i thought of was, was being very challenging in my career and then as i you know, came out of that tournament life, um, and, and came to Paso Tampa, then water became the huge issue and, um, the need for affordable water sources. And, and I was there for the drought in 2013 Mm. and 14 that the whole state experienced. And, um, we went through, um, some really tough times at Paso Tampa. We were cut 50% by the city of Santa Cruz. Um, we lost, you know, the majority of our fairways and roughs died. Um, and you're talking about a top 100 club where you have members that are paying dues, right. you have outside pl- um, public coming in, um, paying a pretty significant fee to play the golf course, and they have certain expectations. Right. So working our way through um, how do we solve this water issue, which turned into a four-year-long project, um, and ultimately resulted in us building our own wastewater treatment facility wow. at Paso Tampa Golf Club. Wow. Can you explain a little bit more on that? Yeah. So it's an interesting story. In, in 1979, late 70s, um, when they built the Scotts Valley um, wastewater treatment plant, okay. um, they build they built what we call the outfall line. So all the water that's treated up there, uh-huh. um, they, they treat it to what's called secondary affluent water. So it's been treated a couple times and disinfected. And that water basically flows down the outfall line all the way down Graham Hill Road. Uh-huh. And it goes to the Santa Cruz treatment plant on Bay Street. Oh. And it co-mingles with their treated wastewater. And then it, it's dumped into the Monterey Bay. Oh. Um a really smart engineer when he designed that alpha line, mm-hmm. he stubbed a line onto the golf course at Paso Tambo. So since 1979, there's been a line fed to our golf course right. that we've never been able to use or have access to. Mm. And so we started the process of um, negotiating 
um, the rights to some of that water mm-hmm. so that we could purchase it and utilize it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, a couple of years of just negotiating with the water board and, and the water district and the right. city of Scotts Valley and all the different entities that were involved. And ultimately we signed a 30 year contract to receive water wow. from Scotts Valley, but we had to end up investing um, $9 million into our own treatment huh. facility that we now operate. Wow. And last year was the first summer that we ended up using the treatment facility. Wow. Um, and we produced 40 million gallons of our own water that we used wow. on the golf course. So that's Incredible. 40 million gallons the first year, which we were very proud of and was, we thought was very successful. Right. And that's 40 million gallons of potable water that's being saved for the city of Santa Cruz mm. in just the first year. Wow. So where's that water coming from? Like, I'm kind of confused about how that, the whole process works. Yeah, so it's just basically all of the raw sewage in Scotts Valley goes to this treatment plant. And then it gets it's treated. It gets okay. treated into what we call secondary. And okay. then that secondary water comes to us. And then we put it through our treatment plant. So uh-huh. we filter it again oh. and disinfect it again. And then we produce what's called tertiary water. Okay. And that tertiary water um, is approved by the state of California for irrigation on golf courses. So we have a full-time treatment plant operator, um, staff, monitoring. You know, we have to take tests of the water every single day, send Mm. it to the lab. It's like, it's a whole nother discipline Mm. as a golf course superintendent that I had to learn. Right. That they didn't teach you at Rutgers. (laughs) They don't teach you in school. Right. Um, but it's fun. And, and that's part of what I like about being a golf course superintendent is there's constantly challenges coming up in, mm. within my career. Um, and it's like, I get to whole, learn a whole new career. Right. That's cool. Is that one of your biggest accomplishments? <laughs> I think the, the, the wastewater treatment plant and receiving, um, the recycled water for mm-hmm. Pasatiempo for the next 30 years, I think it's, it's definitely my biggest accomplishment. Mm. I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. We worked really hard. Um, the board of directors, our general manager, Scott Hoyt at Pasatampo. I mean, we're, we worked daily on this for four years. Um, and, and it really, um, was not only a great thing for Pasatampo, but I mean, um, the environmental stewardship and just the long-term effect it's going to have within the community is huge. I mean, it's a lot of water that we're saving the city of Santa Cruz, and it's a lot of water that's not being wasted that's just going right. down and being dumped into the ocean. It's right. now being used on turf, which is a great application for it. And that's great that it's like benefiting your golf course and, and the community, and the community yeah. which, is, which is great, especially like in all the droughts that have been happening, you know, just yeah, yeah, it's raining right now, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. When we were testing um, the filters, and the filters are a big part of this because in order to filter that quantity of water per day, um, it's extremely important to find out the right application for us to use. And um, we ended up uh, partnering up with uh, an engineering company in California, and the engineer's name is Sammy Cater, and he's just... I think of him as just kind of like our water genius and kind of my go-to person. And, mm. and he really steered us in a direction to these filters and ended up really making the project happen from an engineering standpoint. And I think what we when we tested those filters, what we did is we rented them and we took them to Scotts Valley and we actually set them up at the treatment plant and started using them and testing them. And, and when we got the results back from that test, that was like a huge milestone for us. That was mm. like, okay, these filters work. 
they're affordable, they're going to produce the amount of water that we need. And that was really like a huge turning point in the project for us. So kind of stepping away from this water project, um, I was interested in knowing um, if there was a high school student or a middle school student um, hearing this right now, and they're maybe not considering being a superintendent of a golf course, but they're just thinking about their career path. Um, is there some kind of advice you would give them based on your experience? Um, I know you talked a little bit about how this job is challenging for you and that's something that you like. Um, but if they were, I mean, if you kind of go back to when you were in high school and you're kind of thinking about like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, is there anything that you'd like to say to them just to give them a sense of encouragement or sense of direction? Right. It, my, my advice would be it's okay not to know. Hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Um, and if you want to pursue college, fantastic. Pursue college, get a degree, and don't worry so much about what you think you might do. Get a degree in something um, that you can use across many different disciplines and professions. Okay. And and what you find as you get farther in your career is you, you end up finding people that are in your industry that have college degrees have nothing they're not even related to what you're doing right <laughs> but they found their niche at some point in their life and they ended up pursuing mm. you know their career their dreams or their goals right um and even if you you decide your path is not going to be through college um you can still find out what makes you happy and still pursue that career mm. um whether it's vocational or whether it's internship or whatever it might be and in, in, in going down that path but not to worry about it so much mm. in high school or even even the first couple years out of high school. I just don't I think there's a time that you need to just explore and experience and mature and grow a little bit and right. and those things will end up coming. I see. And where when you were um in high school you were thinking about being a firefighter, you said, right? And that's something that you pursued, but then it ended up It ended up not working out. Right. Yeah. And that was okay. And that was okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. But I mean, it's still kind of like the same, not the same thing, but I think firefighters also deal with like issues of water management. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like, that's exactly Relate what you did. You know? That's true. So, right. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I think that's just really funny. Yeah. Um, but it's also a good point because I think the natural way of things is that things change. And I think today we're trying to tell students that you have to know what you're going to do right. in high school. And if mm-hmm. you don't know, then you're... You know, screwed, screwed. Right. And so I think talking to professionals like like you, I think it gives me like insight as a college student that it's okay not to know. It um, is okay not to know. I've worked with superintendents that have a do de- have a degree, and it's nothing related to yeah <laughs> science. A business degree is a fabulous um, degree, and for turf grass because. Ultimately, at the end of the day, for me now, as a golf course superintendent, the position that I'm in, maybe 25% of my work life is growing grass. Mm. 75% of my life is managing people, managing infrastructure, managing projects, really being an administrator. Mm -hmm. So if 75% of my work is business oriented, then having that business background could almost help me more than having the agronomy background. Obviously, you have to have some science behind it. You have to do your work if you go in that direction, but it's okay. And so that's why you don't have to know. Mm. Um, You just have to, at some point, figure it out. Mm. 
So what is your day-to-day like as a student? Yeah. <laughs> so if only 25% is managing the field, then yeah, what does your day-to-day look like? That's I get this question a lot. And um, <laughs> so alarm off at 4.30 in the morning. Wow. Um, I'm in my office. Do you sleep in, at the, in the, during the weekends? Or? <laughs> I'm at work a lot, actually, wow. on the weekends, too. And having two small children, there's not really sleeping mm. in on the weekends. But um, and sleeping in would be like 630. Oh, wow. Yeah. At least you get two more extra yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I'm in my office at 530, and wow. as, as well as our um, crew of 25 Mm. Um, greenskeepers and spray techs and irrigation techs and assistant superintendents and mechanics and everyone that takes to operate um, a golf facility. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, so we meet with the crew in the morning. I'll go over the schedule with my assistants. We'll talk about um, what's happening that day, if there's any special events, if there's something that's out of the ordinary. Then we go and we have a meeting with the entire crew and all staff. We talk about everything that's going to happen. We go through all the jobs. Then we send out the staff. So it's it's pitch black outside, mm. I mean, pretty much. Right. <laughs> you know, almost year-round, it's dark when we start work. Um, but we have people teeing off at 6.30 in the morning, and the golf course has to be ready to go. Um, so that's why we have to start so early. And then it's typically making a trip around the golf course, just taking a look at everything, um, making sure that duties are getting performed to our standards. And then I typically go right back into my office, and I'll either be working on emails or reports, or doing phone calls, and then usually from, you know, eight or nine o'clock on, I start having meetings, whether it's a meeting with a finance committee, or a meeting about a project, or preparing for a board meeting, or some other entity that we're, that we're dealing with. Um, it could be an attorney, it could be so many different things right. when you're dealing with an operation that big. Um, and, and I kind of flow through the rest of my day like that through lunch. And our crew's done at one fifteen. I mean, they're mm. off work, they're gone, and then that's kind of like my my quiet time mm. after that. That I get another couple of hours at the end of the day um, to return other phone calls or to mm. do finish doing emails or whatever it might be, mm. and then typically try to get out of work by three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow! So it's like five thirty a.m. to five p.m. that you're working. It can be, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a definitely a time commitment. Um, wow. And you know because. <clears throat> You have to think, we're open every day. It's true. We what time do you guys open? What time? Like 6.30 in the morning? Pretty much first light that you uh-huh. can see a golf ball in the air, we're open. Wow. Every day. So you have to have um, a golf course and a, and a product right. ready seven days a week mm-hmm. at 5.30 in the morning. You have to be ready to go. So you have to set you know programs and processes and layers in place to make sure that regardless of Someone's here. Someone's not there. Right. Like, these things are going to happen no matter what. Mm. Wow. 5.30 to 5. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, is there something that you wish you would have known before? Going into this position. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, no. Was this position uh, what you thought it was going to be? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be like this little grass scientist and like I was going to be studying insects and identifying fungus and things actually to me that's fun stuff like I love I love insects and oh, I love I love fungus and and the relationship between turf grass and I mean it's just that whole science part of it's really always what drew me that's in cool. but 
I mean, managing managing people and relationships is what it all comes down to in mm-hmm. the end. And 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 some people are really good at it, and some people struggle with it. Some people are great agronomists, and they can grow the best turf grass in the world, but they struggle managing people because mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, if you told me when I first started that I was going to spend the majority of my time managing people and managing processes and managing projects, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I probably might not even thought it might have been the the career for me, but, you know, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it now. Um, I enjoy the challenge because it's challenging. That's the whole part of the job that keeps you interested and keeps you going is is the challenge part of it. Mm -hmm. And humans are challenging. Right. Oh, definitely. We're social animals. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's for sure. So, so despite the challenges, what keeps you motivated to continue this job? Like waking up every morning, I got to do this. Like what keeps you going? It's making the golf course better tomorrow than it was yesterday. And that's really hard to do because you're basically taking this natural environment. Right. And you're trying to make it consistent. Mm but you have very inconsistent inputs, Mm. meaning weather. I mean, that's like your biggest input, right? So it's raining. We just had 42 inches of rain since November 20th, or it's super hot outside, or it's super cold outside. Mm. But in the end, golfers want kind of a consistent product out Mm, there. And so when you're trying to manage weather, which is so unpredictable all the time, um, it's always challenging. And so you're always trying to find how can I make my agronomic program better Mm. how can i manage water inputs better how can i manage my fertility better how can i manage all these different inputs and you're always learning about the new science that's coming Mm. out the new university research that's coming out you're constantly going to seminars and you're trying to improve upon that so that's the challenge is keeping up with the latest science and trying it on your golf course and making your golf course better today than it was mm-hmm. yesterday that's what's fun yeah i think you're you're all you're always stimulated something yes. new is happening yeah. so that keeps you kind of going exactly there's never like a dull moment no at your job that's what it seems like yeah. is... this is a, i have a question do golfers golf when it's raining like pouring rain outside yeah, yeah. they they do <laughs> yeah, they do you know it's interesting we talk about this a lot so paso tiempo is a semi-private golf club so okay. there's 415 shareholders that are sort of what we'd call members there that that have the right to play there and and they pay their annual fee and they can play there as much as they want but Paso Tiempo is fully open to the public it was designed um, by Alistair McKenzie and and funded by um, Marion Hollins um, and their goal was to make one of the best golf clubs in the world always open to the public because mm-hmm. so many of the clubs are private and there's right. no access. And that's what's great about Paso Tiempo is, is there's access. So the thing is when it rains, none of the members play, right? <laughs> They're like fair weather golfers. Right. But if you are traveling from out of state mm-hmm. and Paso Tiempo is on your bucket list mm. and you made a reservation three months ago, you're going to play no matter what. Oh, wow. You're going to show up and you're going to play. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. You know, if you go to Disneyland you're going to go to Disneyland. <laughs> you're going to be really raining, hot, but you you're know? still going to go That's on that true. Yes. Caribbean ride. That's so true. Yes. yes. Okay, I get that now. Okay. Okay. That analogy helps. Because I can't imagine, because even if it's raining and windy, right, it like also affects like when you hit that ball, it mm-hmm. can like go different places that you don't want but, it to But I mean, go, the birth right? of golf, Scotland, you know, the whole 
area. I mean, they're playing in cool, windy, wet weather constantly. It's true. Um, so yeah. it's nothing new for golf. Because when I practiced golf, when I was raining, there was no golf. Yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> yes, no practice today. I work in the rain, so when oh. it's raining, I'm definitely not golfing. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a fair weather golfer myself. Mm, right. Okay. Just That was just a curious question because I was like, do people golf when it's raining? Interesting. Good thing it doesn't snow up here, though. I know. Yeah. 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 I'd probably ruin it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes a very short season. I just saw some pictures today from, like, um, Trucko, Truckee, Tahoe area from some other superintendents, and they have, like, eight feet of snow on the ground. I mean, wow. They have a five-month season. They have, they yeah. work five months a year. We're here, we're 12 months a year. Right. Five months a year. Wow, that's crazy. So, uh, last question. What's one piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, golf is a great career. Um, it's extremely challenging. It's rewarding. Um, you know, the San Francisco Bay area in Santa Cruz is, you know, it, it can be a difficult place to live because of the cost of living. And I think the golf industry, um, is a great career that can afford you the ability to stay in the Bay area. Mm. I think it's very competitive, um, from a compensation standpoint. Um, compared to like tech or any of these other industries out there. Um, and it's science-based. And if you love science and you love being outside, um, you don't have to love golf, the game mm-hmm. of it. I mean, you have to know it and you have to appreciate it. Right. But you don't have to be, I'm not a scratch golfer. I don't go out there and shoot par or anything. Like <laughs> that, you know, I, I'm just like anybody else. And I go out there to have fun and, mm-hmm. and enjoy the property. And, um, you know, it, it's just an extremely diversified career. Mm. Um, and you get a chance to work with plants and animals. Um, you know, we're Audubon certified sanctuary. We have Audubon volunteers. There's so many different um, niches within the golf industry that you could fit. You don't have to be a superintendent. You mm. could be a spray tech. You could be a horticulturalist working on the outside grounds. You could be um, a, basically a, an irrigation tech. I mean, there's so many different pieces of it that you could fit into right. um i think it's a great career and i think it's a career that a lot of people don't really know about yeah definitely not i mean i didn't know there was that much going on i learned so course. much today just <laughs> so, from this interview and i appreciate golf so much more now you know because like again i told you I, I started playing golf when i was in elementary school to middle school and you know it's just kind of like my mom was forcing me to play and i just never really got to appreciate it but sitting here today i'm definitely like wow yeah. The, I've definitely well, that's great. <laughs> so thank you. No, yeah, you're welcome. Really thank you for having me on the show. It.